0: Making people's lives better.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review. All things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. What would you do if you found out you had an overwhelming chance of developing breast or ovarian cancer? There are tough decisions for women who have the BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene mutations, and these mutations are so prevalent amongst Ashkenazi Jews that some doctors are calling for the entire community to be screened. Today, we'll learn the ABCs of BRCA. Plus... It's good to know your family history for health reasons, but more and more Zoomers are anxious to recover their roots and pass the knowledge on to future generations. Leslie Anderson has been building her family tree for decades. She says the holidays are the perfect time, and she'll tell us how to get together and piece together what happened to your family's previous generations. <laughs> Finally this week, the world suffered a terrible loss with the death of Nelson Mandela. He was a beacon of hope for equality, peace, and reconciliation. Today, we'll have a musical tribute to the man many called Mediva. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Alberta's health minister has warned a national chain of seniors home to shape up or he'll ship them out. Fred Horn says he sent the message in a phone call to the head of Toronto-based Rivera Incorporated following the death of Violet McDonald in Calgary. McDonald was a resident with dementia at the McKenzie Town Care Center, which is run by Rivera. It's alleged she was not properly cared for and developed untreatable physical conditions. Horn says he will be following up with Rivera, which has 90 retirement residences in Canada across 6 provinces. There are three here in Toronto. It's a troubling phenomenon in Korea. Seniors are committing suicide at an alarming rate. In 2011, 41 out of every 100,000 Koreans in their 50s committed suicide. That number skyrocketed to 76 for those in their early 70s and all the way to 96 for people in their late 70s. One reason for the suicides is financial devastation. A majority of older Koreans have been so busy paying for their children's education and weddings that they have failed to build a proper nest egg. Many also feel they're unable to adjust to the rapidly changing culture, and those suffering from depression view psychiatric help as a taboo. But there's good news for European Zoomers. A study out of France finds that 80 may be the new 70, at least when it comes to being mentally sharp. Researchers found people who were in their 80s when they took thinking and memory tests in the last few years did as well as others who were tested more than 10 years earlier while in their 70s. That applied to almost every component of the tests, including how well people remembered stories and pictures and their ability to separate objects into different categories. These findings confirm other studies, and the authors say this trend may simply be the result of increased life expectancy. The longer you live, the more good years you have. The Library of Congress says 70% of feature-length silent films made in the early part of the 20th century have been lost. Of the nearly 11,000 silent feature films made in the U.S. between 1912 and 1930, The survey found only 14 percent still exist in their original format. Director Martin Scorsese is leading a campaign to preserve the American film history.
0: You can make films now without knowing what came before, but it's always best to know what is uh, the past, to study the past masters. You could reject it, but you should know it's there. I'm Libby
2: Nymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Call it the Angelina Jolie effect. The actress carries a genetic mutation that predisposes her to breast and ovarian cancer. After she revealed that she underwent a preventive double mastectomy to minimize her risk, women around the world have been considering what they should do. In the Jewish community, where these mutations are much more common, the question now is, should the entire community be screened? I've experienced both sides of what it means to have a a positive test. In the first case, it led to some agonizing choices. After I finished my breast cancer treatment or during it, I agonized for months about whether I should have that preventive double mastectomy. I decided not to, I'm I'm glad I decided not to, but again, making those choices was actually the most difficult part of having uh, breast cancer. But then, It saved my life. Having the BRCA gene saved my life, there's absolutely no question. The doctors knew enough about my genetic status to give me the individualized treatment that saved my life. Like one in 40 Ashkenazi Jewish women, I carry one of the BRCA mutations. On Thursday evening, I moderated a community discussion at Beth Tzedek Synagogue in Toronto with leading experts in the field. Oncologists, Dr. Ellen Warner and Dr. Andrea Eisen, and the co-discoverer of the genes, Dr. Stephen Nayrod.
3: If you really want to do what you want to do, which is to prevent all the cancers that you can, you have to test everybody. The way to maximize the benefit of the testing is to maximize the testing. We've studied that endlessly. Only about 50% of the women in Ontario, the Jewish women who have a mutation qualify for testing. So most of them, at least half of them, or about half of them, would not have been identified as having the mutation if they were required to meet the criteria for testing. So why don't we just test them all, which is what I propose.
4: So typically the process starts with evaluation by a genetic counselor and that may involve taking a detailed family history. Some of you may have been through this where you get a package in the mail and you have to send it back in. Um, And then based on the information that's listed there, you you might be deemed a candidate for genetic testing. And um, generally in Ontario, there are actually 13 different criteria for genetic testing based on family history, personal history, and ethnicity. And all of them, as we have it right now, involve having some family history or a personal history. So currently, just being Jewish without any fa- known family history is not a criteria for genetic testing. And then based on the genetic test results, usually a physician and a genetic counselor as well will give recommendations about how to manage the, the cancer risk. And Dr. Warner is gonna talk to us about what the options are for uh, individuals who've been found to have BRCA1 or 2 mutations.
3: When a woman finds out that she has a BRCA mutation, there's one thing that she has to do immediately, and that is take a deep breath and relax.
2: Because she's had this mutation and been living with it for the last 25, 30, maybe 40 or more years, and nothing has suddenly changed. She may have a high lifetime risk of cancer, but her risk of developing cancer over the next year is actually quite low. And she doesn't have to run out and immediately do all sorts of drastic body-altering surgeries. Certainly not immediately. And as you've heard from Libby, not necessarily ever. And that's because there are many different strategies that will lower her risk of developing cancer in the future and even more effective strategies that will lower her risk of dying of cancer in the future. Five years ago, Dr. Nayrod conducted a study of 5,000 Jewish women here in Ontario who volunteered for BRCA screening. He said many of those who tested positive would not have qualified for the screening under the province's guidelines. Take Terry's case. I uh, participated in Dr. Nayrod's study. I thought I would help out with
4: their numbers, no history in our family. Lo and behold, I tested positive was going to do the prophylactic surgeries and was found to already have breast and ovarian cancer.
2: So I'm uh, very very happy that I participated in the study. It was a it was a good experience for me. Probably saved your life, it saved my life and then it saved my sister's life as well because she also tested positive and went through the surgeries prophylactically. You decided to do it I just thought I would
1: help out with their
2: numbers, just be a good citizen. And uh, they were looking for, for Jewish women,
1: and I happened to read about it, and I thought I would help out.
2: The idea of screening an entire ethnic community has ethical and practical implications, and this debate is far from over. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. The holidays are coming up, and that means lots of family events. These get-togethers are a perfect time to explore your ancestry and record your current family information. In just a moment, we'll hear more from Ancestry.ca's Leslie Anderson.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing, making people's lives better.
2: Knowing your family history is the key to understanding your health risks, but there are many other more pleasant reasons to delve into your genealogy. It's a fascinating hobby that can bring the generations together, and the holidays are a perfect time to start. For tips on how to begin, I chatted with Leslie Anderson of Ancestry.ca.
1: The very first thing everyone should do, especially at this time of year, is prepare for the the holidays so that you have some questions to ask uh, family members if you are visiting with, with elderly family members, or even sharing your own stories and get them down on paper. What are the questions
2: we have to ask?
1: What is your full name? Where were you born? Were you baptized? Uh, what religion were you? How many siblings did you have? But also, those, in addition to those standards questions, what we also ask is, Did you have any chores? Where did you go to the washroom? How many bathrooms did you have in the house? How many fireplaces? What did you do at Christmas? Did anyone visit you? And, uh, did family members give different presents or have different traditions? What were they? So you really get a a taste for the life and times of their early days or, or at least to find out maybe about people you didn't even know exist.
2: You know, a lot of people, when they came to this country, names were changed, uh, and it becomes difficult to trace. For instance, uh, my producer here is Paul Thomas, and he knows that the name was Tomin, T-O-M-Y-N beforehand, Ukrainian, uh, but he doesn't know much going beyond his grandfather.
1: Right. Well, names are certainly problematic when you are thinking about all the different kinds of documents and all the different kinds of people who are listening to those names and putting them on a piece of paper. So uh, census names is as good as either the person who filled out the census form and gave it to the enumerator or how the enumerator interpreted their writing and interpreted the names. So they, they can be mistranscribed in the document themselves they can be mistranscribed by the indexer.
2: Back to Paul's family. Yeah. They don't know what village they came from before, you know, two generations back.
1: Right. Well, a lot of us don't know that that kind of information. And it's always good practice to start with uh, the documents that you have in the shoebox or that you've inherited or that you've heard of rumors from the family and start with what you know and then go backwards in time piecing in the information from the different documents. So, um, for example, on a census record, we've just launched 1921 census. A lot of people are still living that are in that census and they had to report where they were born the actual place where they were born. Um, If they naturalized, they had to say the year that they came to Canada, so you can have a clue to look in the passenger list. And then on the passenger list, it may say that village name, where they were coming from, and who they were going to it's not only the, the village names that we don't know or, or maybe it's even people that we don't know exist until we start researching and seeing a whole family being listed in a census with their birth dates, with where they were born, and then you take that back to birth, marriage, and death records and you find out from those records a little bit more, like maybe a mother's maiden name uh, that has been lost in the family history. Now you can look for a marriage. Once you get a woman's name and a man, Name.
2: What about for people who know that uh, their family history here is, it's not here. They have to go to European countries, for instance. My parents came here after the war. I'm not going to find anything in Canada before then because it didn't exist.
1: The old-fashioned way would be to fly on a plane and go, go to the old country and see what you can find or go back to the church and, you know, see, you heard they were from this area. But that is not necessary anymore with companies like Ancestry or other genealogy companies like uh, FamilySearch, for example.
2: People talk about the Mormon records.
1: Yes, now FamilySearch are the Mormons, and they made it their mandate years ago to go to those all over the place, starting with England, um, and they have agreements to microfilm genealogical records.
2: Why is it a good idea to do this this time of year?
1: It is a great time of year because this is when families get together and you start talking. And, uh, and And you just review the year and people's people being born and new members of the family and older members of the family or members that have passed away and so it is a natural time to start talking about documenting your family history and and getting involved in perhaps. Um, using some of the stories and documenting those and taking videos and uploading those so that you have a record of your family history um, going forward. Okay, thanks very much. Well, you're welcome. Happy hunting.
2: I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review world is mourning the loss of one of its greatest political leaders nelson mandela in just a moment we'll return with a musical tribute to the man many called madiba
0: you're listening to the zoomer week in review brought to you by chartwell seniors housing making people's lives better
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time now for your International Arts Datebook, tips for those of
3: you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, Billy Crystal's heartwarming and hilarious show, 700 Sundays, continues. It's based on the number of Sundays he got to spend with his father before he died when Billy was 15. 700 Sundays is directed by former Stratford Festival artistic director Des McAnuff. In Los Angeles, see the late 17th century equivalent of a decorative smartphone case. A new exhibit of precious gold boxes dating from the late 17th to early 19th centuries is on display at the L.A. County Museum of Art. To London, England, where Andrew Lloyd Webber's new musical is drawn from one of the great British sex scandals of the 1960s. Stephen Ward tells the story of the Profumo affair, when Cabinet Minister John Profumo had an affair with showgirl Christine Keeler. Performances are now underway at the Aldwych Theatre. And in Rome, see the first major exhibition of Egypt's last queen, Cleopatra, who reigned from 69 to 30 BC. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Book. The entire
2: world is mourning the loss of Nelson Mandela. The politician and activist who fought to end apartheid in South Africa is a hero to people in every corner of the globe. Some say his greatest achievement was the ability to forgive and move forward after spending 27 years unjustly incarcerated. After his death, crowds gathered at his home in Johannesburg, singing and dancing in the streets, celebrating the life of the man they called Madiba. Today, we'll celebrate his life with a piece of music by the 1980s South African band Savuka. They were a mixed-race band led by British-born Johnny Clegg. Because of this and the protest nature of their music, many of their songs were banned from mainstream South African radio. Right now, we'll hear one tune that called for the release of a then captive Mandela. It's sung in both English and the native language Zulu, and it's called Asimbonanga. We haven't seen him.
3: Hasi monanga, hasi mona, monade
0: la chima, la pekona, la pekeli
3: Till comes the day we cross the burning water
2: That was the South African band Savuka with a song titled Asim Bonanga, We Haven't Seen Him. It was written in the mid-'80s and calls for the release of Nelson Mandela. Years later, Savuka would be joined on stage by Mr. Mandela himself as they performed that song. ¶¶ and that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Please come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer
0: worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Zneimer. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandreel.